Hey friends, it's Amaris. Lindsay and I believe that you were created with a purpose and a calling. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There are things that God has called you to do, good works that the Lord has set apart just for you to fulfill. It's up to you to obey, start taking risks, and begin to chase your dreams. On this episode of the Milk and Honey Podcast, we're talking about just that, following Christ as we chase the dreams that we believe He's given us. So join me and Lindsay as we share our stories of starting our blogs, this podcast, and following Christ into the entrepreneurial lifestyle. You may not always see it, but there is a lot of sweet in every mess and in all of the mundane. Exodus 3.8 is a promise to deliver us from the brokenness of life into one filled with hope. We are here to remind you of God's faithfulness and how His love can lead you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Join us, Lindsay and Amaris, as we get raw and share practical wisdom for all things marriage, motherhood, faith, and womanhood. So grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. This is the Milk and Honey Podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Milk and Honey Podcast. I'm Amaris, and I'm here with Lindsay. Hi, guys. And today we're diving into the whole concept of taking risks and chasing dreams and kind of how Lindsay and I got into this entrepreneurial lifestyle where we have blogs and a podcast and lots of different businesses and ministries all in the same. So we wanted to give a little bit of background of how God had birthed writing ministries and how he birthed those our blogs. And so I'll just give you guys some background on me. When I was a little girl, I had dreams of having 11 children, um, like a nanny. (laughs) And I just, sorry. I said, oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) I, as, a, as a younger girl, I was um, homeschooled. And so I only knew of at that age when I was dreaming of 11 children, I was like, I will be the perfect mother that sews my children's clothing. <laughs> That's serious. We would be in church on Sundays and I would draw pictures of my homes and all the little babies that I would take care of. <laughs> wow. Yeah, 11 children. <laughs> I had to, I convinced, well, no, I was like, told Nick when we were dating that it was either going to be between four and six children that we were going to have. And so we settled on four. <laughs> so we've got one left. But Yay. so that was the way that I had dreamed about my future life being as a young girl. And it kind of transitioned like that. You know, I got married. I started having children quickly, not by my own choice, but the Lord's doing, which I'm very thankful about. But, and then it kind of all started happening a lot faster. You know, I ended up becoming a stay-at-home mom very early on. Like as soon as I had our first son, I became a stay-at-home mom. And I knew that that was exactly what I wanted to do. And that was the calling of my life. But then jump forward until after I had my second child, I had postpartum depression And I started to feel very antsy and like, what am I doing? You know, I was just home all the time taking care of my children, which was a wonderful thing. And I had dreamed about that all along, but I'm naturally a visionary. And so I just started to, I guess, 
have an itch to do something more. Um, and I really wanted an, a further outlet to evangelize because that's a gift that I have as well. And when I was at home, I just felt like I was stuck. Like I didn't know how to share the gospel with a different schedule now. I used to take people out on coffee dates all the time, and then all of a sudden I can't because, you know, my children have a schedule. Mm. Did you struggle with stuff like that when you transitioned into motherhood, Lindsay? Yeah. First, let me say <laughs> 11 children. I. It's so mm-hmm. funny just how different we are growing up, like how people are growing up, even seeing my boys and the differences that they have. But I didn't want any kids. I – never really desired to be a mom. I just wanted a career. And that started really young because I was writing these Um, fake books. Like I still have them actually. They're pretty hilarious. But writing stories about the Mall of America and all kinds of things. And I just wanted to be a writer. Um, But as – yeah. But as now I've become a mom of two boys, obviously, I really love it. And I'm super thankful that for myself, I know that that is what God intended for me. It has been used to sanctify me and challenge me mm. so much, but just bless me with so much joy that I don't think I ever would have known, like this deep joy personally that they bring me. So I'm really thankful. But as much as I enjoy staying home, I have realized that I do need another outlet um, for myself. And so I was the same, Amaris. I used to spend almost every single day meeting with friends or having like Bible studies or going to coffee. I was always counseling women or just spending time with women in general. And so I've learned now that I needed to just be more creative with the way that I do that. And so we started having dinners at our house where they could bring all their kids so all of the kids could play. Uh, We had girls over for coffee during nap time or I hosted brunches and we would just do like a quick 30-minute study whenever we could. But it was really cool when I started pursuing my blog because I realized that that was a way to do this on a much larger scale um, in the moments that I just didn't have the time to host a big dinner or to have girls over. And it really helped me to feel like I could use my gifts in a different, in a practical way to help me feel more like myself during the day because I also struggled with a lot of postpartum anxiety and mm-hmm. a little bit of depression. But I loved that I could maintain my ministry as a mom and then have this separate time as the kids went to sleep so that I could begin working on my blog. And that's really all it was at the beginning. I worked from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. And then I woke back up again with Sutton at 6 a.m. when he was about three months old. And I've just been doing it ever since. Yeah, it's been similar for me. Um, with how I transitioned into writing. But it wasn't always like that. I mean, at the beginning, um, before I had even started writing, which is the funny thing, um, that I've always done ministry almost for 15 years now. I've been leading like small groups and like doing stuff at nighttime. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we were still hosting a lot and still doing all that stuff, but it still felt like I, you know, I was used to having a daytime job and then I would, you know, was with children all day. And then all of a sudden I'm like, this is it. (laughs) And I feel so (laughs) bad are saying that out loud, but I'm not saying that the women that 
choose to do that all day long and when that's you know what they believe that there is their calling I, I totally agree with that you do what god has called you to do in that season but for me in that moment i just couldn't sit still you know i needed something more to do and so i remember praying and asking god of like a, another practical way of how i could share the gospel and start doing more ministry throughout the day and i felt the lord place on my heart to start a blog. And I literally was like, no way. Like <laughs> that is not gonna happen, God. Um, and that's how I knew it was the Holy Spirit telling me to do that because I would never have thought of that on my own. I didn't, I, so I barely graduated high school. I mean, terrible student, barely graduated high school. I had like a really rough high school anyway with my brother dying and all, you know all this stuff. So I was just not very educated and I felt so insecure as a a woman doing anything with writing. Um I always enjoyed like creative writing. So when I went to college I did one year in college and then I just never went back. And so I always enjoyed the creative stuff but I was so intimidated to, to write for anyone publicly, like on Facebook or anything, because I was so ashamed of how bad of a writer I was and all my grammar errors. And so I literally for like a whole year just didn't even go and post on Facebook at all. I was just, I would shy away and just not say anything because I was so ashamed of it. And I remember one night I even told all of my friends in a Bible study that I had, I was going to, I told all of them and I said, I don't ever post on our social media apps because I just am so ashamed of all of my grammar errors. And so I just told them, I'm like, and so they prayed for me. And so then when the Lord asked me to start a blog, I legitimately was like freaking out. Like I wanted to poop my pants probably. <laughs> um, and so I was like, okay, Lord, if this is something that you really want me to do, then you need to give me a confirmation and then God gave me a confirmation. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this. <laughs> and so it started. I didn't even know like what my vision was or where I was going, but God really directed me as I was obedient to walk in writing. I, I should delete, or I think I've already have deleted my very first ever <laughs> published blog post. It was called Cookies in My Fat Jeans. <laughs> and it was all about was how- all about postpartum weight loss and how I was really tired of trying to lose the weights. And I was like, don't judge me. I'm just going to eat these cookies oh. and wear my fat jeans. I was envisioning like actual cookies inside of your jeans. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be, I wouldn't put that past me either. I may start hiding food in my pants. Okay, don't put that past me. Um, I've I've never noticed grammar issues with you though. It's so funny because I've read so many of your blog posts. I think even before we started this podcast, do you feel like you've learned and grown in it, or are you just more cautious with your editing? Yeah. So when I saw my biggest insecurity, so when I said I'm like I'm really just ashamed of how uneducated I was, I made up in my mind that I was not going to allow that insecurity to control my life. So I started reading the news. 
every single day. And I just taught myself how to read and my vocabulary grew. And I mean, I knew how to read. Okay. <laughs> but like, <laughs> like, I know what you mean. like how to read and write, like and, and, and identifying grammar errors. And I just slowly taught myself. That was also where my love of reading was birthed. It was all birthed out of that insecurity that I wouldn't allow the enemy to keep me stuck in, but I decided that I was going to conquer it. I didn't want to be that way anymore. Yeah. Well, good for you for being intentional and so active with it. I feel like that is exactly what we're trying to talk about today, which is that there are so many things that we can use as justifications not to pursue the dreams and the gifts that God has given to us, but that there is so much more and that Christ is a conqueror. And if he has overcome, then it gives us the ability to overcome. And sometimes it just takes intentionality in really practical ways. That's yeah. Cool. So a little bit of background on my blog. I've always written. I've always loved to write. I think people know that about me for the most part. But a blog was so far from anything I wanted to do. And now this is really, really bad and you guys are going to judge me. But I <laughs> had this mindset of like anybody can do a blog. So I'm going to write a book. This like prideful perspective. And it wasn't so much that I was above it when I, it really boiled down to it, it was that I was super intimidated by it until God just convicted my heart and said, one, you're not above this. Two, your pride isn't actually the issue. It's your fear. And so hmm. for me, it really tested my insecurities because I struggle with fear of man. I struggle with people having opinions of me in any way, shape, or form. And that's something that I've really had to battle in having a public blog. But as for confirmation, it was kind of cool. So I fought this for a long time because I already wrote novels on Instagram. So they they were like, you might as well just start a blog. And I, at that point, had been more open to it. And I said, yeah, maybe eventually I will. And more and more people would bring it up to me. And I kind of fought it, but I go back to this time before I was a believer and I was at church with my mom. She had dragged me along with her and this guy, Josh McDowell, was teaching and he has actually written the number one book that brought me to Christ oh, cool. and he was sitting in front of us and he turned around to me and he said, are you in school? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, you need to study English and learn to write a book. And he went up to the pulpit and started talking. And my mom was like, oh my gosh, did you hear that? He's not going to just say that to anybody. I was like, yes, he is. He was just talking. She was like, that was the Lord, Lindsay. That was totally the Lord. You need wow. to listen to him. And I'm rolling my eyes because I was like, yeah, right, whatever. But anyway, it turns out that that was the book I read with my mom while driving to Scottsdale that opened my heart to salvation Whoa. was his book. Incredible. Yeah, it was pretty powerful. And then after I became a believer and had my first son Sutton, I was just having a really hard time and just with my anxiety and postpartum. And I wanted something as an outlet. And we had just, I don't remember what it was, but we had a really bad week. And so I started praying and God just spoke to me, not audibly, but as I was reading and it just kept coming up, sparrows and lily in the verses. So I'll read the verses too. It's Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And then Matthew 10, 29 through 31 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So both of those verses with the sparrows and the lilies talk about how God just takes care of us. He loves us so much that he cares for every single detail of our lives. And that is all I needed in that moment of anxiety was to remember how cherished and cared for I was by the Lord, but also just how attentive he was to me. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I wanted to pour out to other women was to let them know like you are loved, you are seen in these moments like I am in right now when I was at that point of just feeling so unseen. And God is saying, look at the flowers. The flowers are taken care of and you are going to be so much more taken care of. And then like the final confirmation was when I had just been praying about this and I finished reading it and I was crying about just the freedom and knowing like, okay, this is where God has me. This is what he wants for me. And I'm not exaggerating that about 20 minutes later, our doorbell rang It was a bouquet of flowers from one of my dear friends just saying that she was so sorry we had had such a rough week. And on the card was the verse Matthew 6, 25 through 34, which is what had confirmed my blog for me. It was all just really, really cool. And I called her crying. I'm like, you have no idea. Like putting that verse on there was just so encouraging to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, started something really powerful that has just become beautiful in my life. So yeah, that was kind of my beginning. So sweet. Mm -hmm. I love the way that God in his kindness just directs our steps, you know, like just in very gentle ways, but he's definitely speaking to us and we just have to listen. Okay. So practically speaking, what does it look like to take risks and to chase dreams? So we kind of shared our stories of how God led us to start blogging and start writing. And so we kind of wanted to take it down a notch and talk about the practicality of what that looks like. You know, we get asked a lot of questions about the entrepreneurial lifestyle and, you know, work life, mom life balance and trusting God and confronting fear. So we kind of just wanted to address those exact things that I just said. Practically speaking, so in the transition to starting a blog and operating in an entrepreneurial lifestyle, I think the first thing that comes to my mind when um, encouraging people to move in their giftings or to start a business or to start a new endeavor, it really is to be led by the Spirit of God and to walk in obedience. You know, obedience is better than sacrifice. And so wherever God is leading you, that's where you have to follow. You know, Jesus didn't see the disciples and say, hey, let me tell you exactly what your future is going to look like. And then you can decide if you're going to be obedient and follow me. He just looked at the disciples and said, Simon Peter, follow me. And then he actually changed Simon's name to say, you will now be called Peter. And it's just so often we want to know all the answers, but in the reality is, is that God just wants us to be obedient daughters and he wants us to follow him no matter where he leads. And that's what it looks like to be a disciple. 
Yeah, I can relate to the people in scripture who are like, wait, let me go and bury my father. Or wait, let me go back. And God's like, no, follow me. You don't need to go back. Just follow me. And for me with the blog and with everything that I've done, initially I was like, oh, let's just wait for this. Let's just wait for this. And really giving a lot of excuses to not be obedient to him. But by his grace, I got to a point where I realized I am not going to be a slave to fear anymore because it had dictated so many areas of my life up until that point with fear of what people thought and fear of hearing the word no and fear of just even taking up space. And I wanted to like rip those chains off of me because it had burdened and consumed me for so long and remember whose I was and that if he had called me to this, I was going to pursue it. What I've realized and what I want our listeners to realize is that fear is such a common thread when it comes to pursuing dreams or taking big steps in our lives. The biggest issue in a lot of our lives is not pursuing God's calling or not nurturing our giftings because we're afraid of failure. We're afraid of taking that risk and it not working out. And I personally wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have kids. I wouldn't have a blog or a podcast if I let fear dictate my life because I was afraid of all of those things. Commitment terrified me. Having children absolutely terrified me. And putting myself out there really terrified me. We're always going to be, as believers, in this perpetual state of battle in our minds. We are battling the enemy. We are battling the fear and the destruction that he brings. And we have to consistently take our thoughts captive. And that includes these thoughts of fear and hesitation. First right. John 4.18 is a verse that I lean on often. And it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And so as I read this, I think back to the word punishment. And in my mind, I ask, what, what is the punishment that I fear? For me, it's not being accepted by others. It's not reaching the expectations that I set for myself, and the bar is always way too high. And you guys, I dealt with that. Amaris, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I got a lot of backlash for my blog and it was from people who were close to me. It wasn't necessarily from the strangers and the critics. I didn't hear a lot of comments from those people, but I heard a lot of comments or <laughs> on the other end of things, there was a lot of silence from the people in my life that I really um, respected their opinions and wanted the support from. And it was because a blog is showy and a blog is your face all over the place and it's very succinct when it comes to what's actually going on in your life and there's only so much that you can share and they disagreed with it. And there are a lot of people who just don't know how to deal with the attention that it brings to your family or things like that. And I, I want to be considerate of that, but it's I would be lying if I said that it wasn't hard for me when I didn't receive that support. And thankfully, a lot of those relationships have been mended and healed over time, but it was painful for me at the beginning. And there were a lot of moments, countless moments when I'm crying at night and I just wanted to give up and quit because I hated the damage that it had done. But in that same moment, God would bring somebody to say thank mm. you or to share something about how the gospel changed their lives um, through a blog post or something right. that God had done through Sparrows and Lily that I was totally out of control of. And it just reminded me that I am following his calling 
and I need to continue being obedient to him while actively loving people as well as I could. But I was never going to be perfect and I was never going to please everybody. Right. Yeah, exactly. I was listening to a sermon today by Beth Moore and I I love her. I do too. And she was talking at a passion conference and she said, some of you are going to come here and you're going to be affected by everything that you heard and and everything that you got to witness. And then some of you are going to be infected so much so that your life is going to radically change and you're going to be spoiled for anything less than this. And I think that's so true to when you start to walk in your purpose and in the calling that God has for you, you're infected for anything less. Yes, there is the backlash. There is the people not supporting you. There are are those difficulties. For me, a lot of it was I uh, it wasn't growing at the rate that I wanted. And so I would struggle and I would say, Lord, do you still want me to do this? Do you still want me to do this? And I would be so frustrated for the lack of growth. And then, you know, God would give me another confirmation. But at the same time, if I would have given up, that regret would have been worse than anything else. And now I am spoiled for anything less. You know, I could not just go back to doing other things like other ministries that are good. But now I see where God is directing me and I'm doing many, many ministries and I couldn't see my life operating in anything less unless, that is, if God asked me to stop. And here's the beauty of this, you guys. We're not called to be confident in ourselves or in our own abilities. We're not called to be successful by our own efforts. We never will be. We are broken and we are flawed and we're sinful. But the Spirit has given us the ability to be confident of Christ in us. And Mm -hmm. He is in us if we have received Him. And whether it's becoming a mom or committing to marriage, starting a ministry, getting involved in just serving at your church, adopting, sharing the gospel with friends and family, or pursuing career dreams, whatever it is, when you abide in love, God's love is perfected in you. And it compels us to put God's love into action toward others. And one way that we can do that is by pursuing our gifts and our callings. His perfect love in us will cast out all fear, the verse says. Not some fear, all of our fear. Mm -hmm. At the end of a person's life, I think about this often. It's just As I've had children, it's made me fully aware of the brevity of life. At the end of a person's life, statistics show that we as humans focus the most on our regrets. When people are on their deathbeds, they're talking about what they wish they would have done. And I guess I just want to ask our listeners right now, if I asked you sitting in your car or at home or with your kids, wherever you are right now, if I asked you to think about the one thing that you would regret not doing if your life were to end this year, what would it be? And I want you to pray about that thing. And it could be anything. Amaris, what would be yours if you had to say what your regret would be? Yeah, I think for me, if I was on my deathbed tomorrow or right now, it would be not screaming from the rooftops the goodness of God Mm. to any person that walked by me, like Mm. begging people to go with me to heaven. I feel like that's probably what would be my biggest regret is all the people that I let slip through my fingers and I didn't share the gospel with them or I didn't love them with the intensity that Christ loved me with, Hmm. whether that's my children or strangers, but Mm -hmm. I just think about people's souls. Yeah, that's powerful. And having this ability 
to really be aware of these regrets and where we stand in our lives and the things that we want to grow in and the ways that we want to honor God, it gives us the power to walk in Him toward those things and to make a change in our lives. But having love perfected in us through Christ, through knowing Him as our King in a very real and deep way, that is what casts out the fear. Nothing's going to be more important than making disciples and sharing the gospel and following God's calling for our lives because his love is so real and tangible that it instills in us a confidence for the end of our life and throughout our lives as well. And living a life of active love toward people because of who Christ is shows that we have the spirit of Christ and that we belong to God's family. And that is what gives us a confidence before God to pursue the giftings that he has given us. The question that I ask myself often is, Lindsay, will you have a confidence on judgment day that you have been obedient to God's every calling? Hmm. And the answer is no, because I can't do that on my own. But by staying focused on the eternal and not on the temporal helps me to remember that he is everything. He is priority. But the enemy wants us to stay frozen. Mm -hmm. He is the author of fear, and he doesn't want us to do big things in God's name. So today, right now as you're listening to this, you can choose to stay scrolling, wishing, or comparing because you're terrified of failing or you've given in to the lies of the enemy. Or you can ask God to guide you in that and allow him to lead. Fear is a liar. Repeat that to yourself mm -hmm. every day. Fear is a liar. That's so true, Lindsay. I mean, to live a life of obedience to God and to walk in step with his spirit, yeah, it is going to cost you something. It's going to cost your pride. It's going to cost your selfishness. But God has called us to great things and to walk in your calling, to walk in your purpose is where you start to see that God wants to give us life and life to the full. Like that's what God has called us to, is to an abundant and victorious life. And we operate in that when we start taking risks and we start chasing our dreams, no matter what they look like. You know, they may not look like what Lindsay and I are doing, but when you start to take risks, you're overcoming fear and you start chasing your dreams by being led by the Spirit of God, you will start to experience the fullness of God that God had intended for you all along. Lindsay and I want you to chase your dreams. We want you to take risks and to live in the abundant life that God has called you to. And if you want that as well, then start chasing God first. He is not a means to an end. He is the greatest end. I mean, when I say that phrase, I say it with the most emphasis and passion that my heart could ever pour out into a microphone because I believe it with every fiber in my body that he is the most satisfying and the greatest thing that we can ever experience here on this side of heaven. So do not use him chasing God and asking him, Lord, where are you going? Just because you want to start operating in your calling. No, fall in love with God, start chasing him, and then you'll end up starting to chase your dreams. And I can attest to that wholeheartedly because people look at blogging as this glamorous lifestyle and that some people place on a pedestal. But Amaris and I can both attest to the fact that it, in the end, it's ultimately what we're doing 
is a ministry. And the goal is to lead other women to Jesus. And the perks and the bonuses of it are great, but they're just as exhausting as any other mm-hmm. job. You know what I mean? Like the demands and the expectations and the criticisms. It it comes with a heavy load as well. And we both, having been in the midst of it all, have come out the other side saying, this is empty. It's empty. The The glamour of it the appearance, people's praise, none of it means anything if Christ isn't at the core of it all. Right. Right. If you are starting to feel like called or a desire to start an online ministry, I want to encourage that you are living it out in your personal life and not just on the internet, that you are serving in your church, that you are serving the the people around you, that you are sharing the gospel with people in real life, and that you are living a life that is above reproach. I think it's a very tempting thing now that we have a lot of online ministries is that people can start an online ministry and can say whatever they think that they should say, but there's no proof that they're living it out on the other side. And that can be a detriment to so many people that are following that person. Please make sure that your life is living that out on a daily basis and not just on the internet. Yes. Amen to that. And not that you're ever going to be perfect or have it all together, right. but that you're working toward that to living a life for Christ as First John tells us to do. And so transitioning from there, talking about our ministries, like ultimately what is most important in your life right now is your family, your church. These dreams, these passions are good things and they're important and they may tie into your family or other ministries, but they don't come before those things. So what we've had to really learn is what work life slash mom life balance looks like. And what I have found at least, and I think what Amaris has also found is that balance isn't really a thing. Like something is always going to outweigh the other thing. And it's just setting up your priorities and your schedules to ensure that you're trying to have as much balance as possible and that you're constantly evaluating your life and living at repentance when you're not Mm -hmm. balancing it. Um, I went through this recently. A lot of people who follow my blog have seen that I took a break and it's because I know that my balance was so off that my blog was coming way before my children and it wasn't okay. And so I had to repent to my children, to my husband, to my family for just neglecting that part of my ministry and that part of my life and putting my dreams ahead of them. I allowed that conviction by God's grace to move me away from something that wasn't healthy and to help me heal so that I can be the best in both areas. One thing that has really helped me is scheduling. Um, I do not follow this perfectly. I was telling Amaris before that today was one of those days that just had no rhyme or reason and it felt so long and so disorganized with my boys and didn't feel like anything got done. But I have created a schedule And I got this from our episode with Felicia Masonheimer, just creating a morning schedule for myself that by 12 o'clock, I will have a list of six things done. And they're simple things like making my bed and starting a load of laundry and reading to my boys and reading my Bible, those types of things so that I know that I'm starting my day out well and evaluating what needs me that day. So if my children need me that day, They are going to be my full focus. If my business really Mm -hmm. needs me that day, I'm going to try to find a way for me, um, a nanny to come in or a play date that I can have or doing the work during their naps, which tends to be what 
Amaris and I do the most of is we have our conversations Mm -hmm. during their naps or once they go to bed, which is when we record. And I personally struggle a lot with mom guilt and feeling like I'm never doing enough. And a lot of women who stay at home feel like either they're not doing enough for their children or they just are so exhausted by staying at home all day and not doing anything else. And I feel like these conversations can lead us to figuring out where you're supposed to be. If you are not giving your best to your family day in and day out and you know that you're not because you need an outlet, then it's time to start praying and getting in God's word to determine what that outlet needs to be and also really seeking accountability and seeking a friend and seeking just in his word where he wants you and how to shift your perspective until you can get there. But ultimately, whether you're pursuing a like a side hustle or you have a blog or you're working part-time at home and part-time in a career, the ideal scenario is that your heart is focused so heavily on Christ that you're not feeling torn from place to place. God is first, your husband is second if you're married, your children third if you have children, fourth, your family, and then your church, your ministry, your career. They need to be in order with the intention of having as clear of a balance as you possibly can. Right. That's good. You know, honestly, as you're following Christ, that is probably what's going to be birthed is that your your marriage and your motherhood will be your first priorities and your first ministries. And sometimes I think that we can be so disconnected from that and we can just see like our day-to-day and all the load that we are responsible for. But the reality is, is that those are your people, like your husband, your children, those are your people and they have souls. I mean, they are, they're going to go to heaven or they're going to go to hell. And we are responsible not to save them, but to lead them and lead them well, to shepherd them and to care for them. So many pastors, kids end up resenting Christianity and they don't want anything to do it. Why is that? My dad was like this and his brother was like this. And it was because his family placed ministry above them. And so they ended up resenting Christianity and the church and they walked away from it, but they were bitter from it. And a lot of women will use the Proverbs 31 woman as their example of she did business, she did this, she was able to do everything. Yes, she was able to do many businesses and a lot of different things all the same time as, as taking care of her family. But you will see in scripture that her eyes were looking at her home. Her focus stayed on her home, that she was doing many things with the intention of caring and blessing her home, of making her husband proud, of doing things well for the value and what she could provide her children. So moms, care for your children, pray for them, shepherd them. Let that be your ministry first. Do not neglect that for work or for any other ministry because that's not what Christ has called us to. He's called us to care for our children and our marriages first. Yes. And for those of you who are single, this is the same for your people. Who are your people? Who is your sphere that 
you have an impact on, that you can be sharing the gospel with, that you can be inviting to church or to your community group or going to church so that people can see that you do love Jesus and that you are committed to the body of Christ. These are things that you have to consider as priority because people and making disciples is the number one dream and goal that we should aspire to. Yes. Yeah. That was the call of Christianity. When Jesus left, that he gave us one mission to go and make disciples. That is the call. So whatever we're doing, it should be attached to making disciples. We've said a lot of things and a lot of um, different ways to start operating in your calling and your giftings and the purposes that God has placed on your heart. But the fundamental thing that is going to give you a platform and help you to move forward is to trust God. You will never commit your life and all its hopes and dreams to someone that you do not trust. And you'll see the proof of that when you are holding a closed fist and are afraid to give God what's really on your heart. Then you can say, okay, am I really trusting God if I'm afraid to give him this dream that I've had of getting married or this dream of, of having children and I haven't been able to have a child yet or Whatever your dream may be, if you can't give it to God and confess that you trust Him, then you'll never be able to commit your life to Him. So pursuing God, chasing Him, and confessing that you trust Him. I have to do this often. This is can be a really big struggle of mine because my dad left. And so I had a bad example of how to trust a father. And if God is a father and my dad was a father, then clearly he's not worthy to be trusted. And so I've had to really work through that issue and learning how to trust God. And so now I just say, like, just like it says in Psalms 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. So if I'm, if I'm struggling with something, then I'll just say, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. This is not my burden to carry. I'm committing this dream to you. I'm committing this fear to you. I'm committing um, this new thing that I'm doing to you. And God, I'm saying that I trust you. You have good things for me and you have the perfect plan for my life. And I trust you. So just do that. Allow that to be your homework this week with whatever's on your heart, with whatever dreams that you have. Write them out. Give them to God and just say, okay, Lord, they're here and I'm trusting you with my future. Where you lead, I will follow. So to end this episode, it's been a long one, but it's was really fun for Lindsay and I to write it out and just kind of share with you guys our hearts and how all of our ministries have been birthed. But we wanted to end with our story of how the podcast started. So I'll start by sharing my perspective of how it all came about. I had just had my third child. So I was in that postpartum fog and I started to listen to podcasts. I don't know if it was Lindsay that had set me a podcast. We had just started listening to an interview with Sarah Haggerty with a focus on the family. And so we were talking about it back and forth. And so somehow we both started getting into podcasts at the exact same time. So my baby was just like weeks old and I just started sending her different stuff. And I just was like really, really into them, like listening to podcasts all the time. Somehow I was never into a podcast. I don't understand that, <laughs> <laughs> how I was, I'm just now getting into podcasts. 
because they are so accessible. I mean, so available being a mother or just being on the go all the time. I don't understand how I just got into them. But so we had started passing back all these different episodes to each other. Like, you got to listen to this. Although I doubt Lindsay <laughs> listened to nearly <laughs> <laughs> all of the episodes that I had sent her. <laughs> I I am guilty. You guys, I... <laughs> I don't have an excuse. No. <laughs> I listen probably to like 25% of the ones, which is a good chunk. Sorry. I am a consumer of information. So I like almost always have a podcast going on in my house. So if I'm reading a book or doing the dishes, I just always just have it going. That's um, my husband. Jesse's the same way. He always has an earbud in and there is always a podcast on. Yeah. So I so I always listen to the stuff and so I then I'll send it to Lindsay and she I think she may have used to listen to more of them or took me more seriously, but now I send them to her so often that she's like, Oh yeah, so good. And so now I have to say to her, I know you don't listen to my recommendations, so you have to listen to this. I did. I listened to the last one you sent me and it was really good. Did you listen to the entire thing? Yeah, all 17 minutes. It was short. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was short. <laughs> anyway, so we were sending all these podcast episodes back to each other. And then all of a sudden, Lindsay one day was like, Amaris, we need to start a podcast together. And I was like, this girl is so crazy. <laughs> I just had a baby. She just had a baby. She is so busy with Barrows and Lily. I am trying to make something of She Is Reclaimed. And she wants us to start a podcast. What in the world is wrong with her? And now I know she's an Enneagram 3 and does cannot be stopped, can't be tamed. And so I was like, I just laughed. I was like, ha ha, funny. You know, I said something like that back to her. And then I just was like, Lord, that girl is crazy. But I, so I just prayed for confirmation. I'm like, Lord, if you want, do want us to start a podcast, she'll bring it up on her own doing again. And so then I'll follow that door. And then I think within a day or two, she texts me again. She's like, Amaris, I'm being serious. I think we need to start a podcast. So that started the podcast. And then what was the craziest thing of all of it was we were bouncing ideas off of each other and like trying to figure out what we were going to call it. And Lindsay texted me and was like, what about milk and honey? And I was like, Jesus, you're here <laughs> because... The very first promise that God had given me back all the way in 2015 or 2016, when I had first started writing, and I was like, Lord, do I write to non-believers or do I write to believers? And I felt the Lord starting to direct me to start writing to Christians, like creating Christian content. And I was really, really freaked out to even go down that avenue. And I felt the Lord give me a verse in Exodus that was like, you will bring the people out of slavery and into a land flowing of milk and honey. So the promise that I felt God give me was that I was going to help Christians start living a life of freedom and start to live in the land of milk and honey. So when she says the, the name is milk and honey, I was like, this is of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so your. Lindsay has never told me her portion. <laughs> she has kept me like dangling a carrot in front of me all week. She's like, I'm not going to tell you my half. I was just excited to tell you. And 
I, okay. So basically from the beginning, when we first started sharing our blogs back and forth. So for those of you who don't know, I am the lengthiest person in the world and I cannot for the life. I can't for the life of me come up with a title for my blog posts. Like it literally kills me because I want it to be 50 words. And obviously that is not possible. So I think our relationship really started when we, I don't know, we had met through some Instagram thing. And then I started sending Amaris my articles for her to choose a title for me. And over the time, your first viral post, I was the one that wrote that title. Do you remember that? No. Which one? The girl who wished she hadn't. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Oh, that's so good. See, you guys, it's just been intertwined. That post is what started my ministry and career really from the beginning. Um, But I just trusted you, Amaris, so much with your heart. I trusted your theology. I trusted your passion. I relied upon you for wisdom. And the more I would read your posts, I just, every time I would just see myself in your posts, I just saw so much of me in your experiences, so much of me in the way that you write and the way that you express yourself. And obviously now, like we just click really well. And I feel like I was able to determine that and kind of see that just through your blog posts and through your writing. And so I admired you and I wanted us to continue to grow together. And so Amaris and I would go back and forth, like sharing blog posts and what would you take out or what would you add? And our friendship was very uh, mutual. It was very beneficial. It was very fruitful and Mm life-giving. And I had been listening to podcasts and just seeing how impactful and powerful they were for my life as a mom and just how truly life-changing they were for me. And it's because I'm lengthy, obviously this episode's like an hour and a half, you guys, I'm sorry. But (laughs) because I'm lengthy, blog posts are hard for me because I can't articulate everything that I want to say. And you have to be succinct because people just, they won't read so much. And I had a lot of people who said, if you would do a podcast, I would listen, but I just don't read or I don't like to read or whatever. And I'm a reader, so I don't get that. But I understand that people like Amaris and my husband love listening to podcasts. And I have my few that I listen to regularly, which is what inspired me to pursue this. And as I started thinking about doing it on my own, I kept being drawn back to Amaris and drawn back to her posts and to her voice and to her content. I felt like I would start up the podcast process and talk to my husband about it and I just didn't have peace. And so I began just praying and I got in the word and I would pray every night like, Lord, if this is something that you want from me, show me how you want me to do it because I don't know what that process looks like. I don't know which way you want me to go. Like, what is the path of this? I just hear like, share the gospel through your words through a podcast. That's kind of all that I was being led in at that point. And then Amaris and I were talking and we had shared that um, episode together with Focus on the Family and talked about it. And you had just been on my heart ever since then. And I, the more we talked and our friendship grew, I felt like this is totally where God is leading me. And when I would think about you and I doing it together, I had this overwhelming peace. Whereas when I thought wow. about doing it alone, I had an anxiety. Um And so that was kind of where it was. So yeah, I Marco Poloed you and I was like, hey, I know I'm crazy because I, yeah, I'm busy and you're busy and we had a lot going on, but I just knew that this is where the Lord was drawing me and not away necessarily from my blog, but that this was kind of, I guess the next step 
of my blog and that I wanted it to be that way for both of us and for him to use us for his glory through just our friendship and our conversation. And really the biggest thing is that when Amaris and I have phone calls, this is what they sound like. (laughs) Like, It's very, very true. This whole conversation that we just had about chasing our dreams, this is something that we would just banter back and forth with for two hours on the phone. And it's so easy for us and fluid for us that I know that God uses you in my life to prune me and to sanctify me and to encourage me and to breathe life into me. And I know and I've seen now that you will do the same to other women. That's my story. You're so sweet, Lindsay. <laughs> this is one of my favorite things, that's for sure. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I hope that you guys find something of yours that you're passionate about. Like Amaris and I, truly, when an episode is published, we are so excited on Tuesdays. Every Tuesday, we wake up like so ready and amped because we're so excited. (laughs) And then Wednesday nights is when we record and we both look so forward to this time. And so I'm hopeful that God will make it clear to you what your calling is and that you'll be willing to listen to him in obedience, to hear his voice and to respond to that voice, knowing that he desires good for you. He desires for you to use the giftings that he has given you to make much of his name. So we love you guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please scroll down just from this episode. Take 20 seconds. Give us a star rating and a quick review. It helps other women to hear the good news of Christ. And take a screenshot and tag it on your Instagram stories and let us know what your favorite takeaway was from this episode. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Milk and Honey Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a second to visit our page on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It would mean so much to us. Your review helps the show to be found by other women like you, and it also helps us to continuously grow and become better as a podcast. For a daily pick-me-up, follow me, Lindsay, on Instagram at sparrowsandlily and Amaris at amarisbeecher. Tune in next week for more laughter, fun, hope, and encouragement. Bye, guys.